So it's very hard to become the top 1% in any field. It's reasonably easy to become the top 10%. But how do you get to the 0.01? You go from having an in-demand skill and a decent 10% skill to someone who has rare skills. When you're top 10% in five, six, or seven things, together, you are unbelievably rare. Welcome in to another episode of The Professional Profiles Podcast that uncovers the time-tested wisdom for the next generation. Join me, a forward-thinking team, as I engage in insightful conversations with industry titans, revealing the invaluable ingredients that pave the way to achieving remarkable success. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Clint Murphy. This episode is all about social media specifically the importance of using it instead of it using you, the Twitter threads debate, Clint's top three steps to grow your following, and much, much more. Clint is a CFO at Mosaic and has over 20 years of experience in finance, but that's just his day job. Clint also has 400,000 followers on social media. That's right, 400,000 spanning his Twitter, his podcast, and his newsletter called The Growth Guide. He is also an executive coach to some of the top names in the world, He's an amazing father for his two boys. He's a triathlete, ultramarathon runner, Ironman, and part of the Thousand Pound Club. He has also helped hundreds of thousands of people level up their lives to become the best versions of themselves. So I'm going to jump in right where we left off in our conversation, and I hope you enjoyed this wonderful interview. So thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to having a conversation with you. I love what you're doing. As we begin our conversation, I'm eager to learn more about the remarkable trajectory of your career. Could you please share some of the most significant roles and experiences you've had in your career and how that kind of played out to where you are today? Yeah, I'd say the the first major one was getting hired by the right accounting firm coming out of college. And so I was able to get a job with a big four accounting firm. I understand now it's a bit a bit less glamorous for young people to want to go to one of the big four firms. They they don't necessarily like the hours, the stress, the uh, challenge of doing it, and so it's getting harder to recruit young people into it. The number one thing I think that gets missed there, Charlie, is the network that you build. So most of my close friends are ex KPMG people. Uh, we've all managed to grow our careers in our city very well and to get in positions where we can give each other opportunities. So so that was definitely the first big break in my life was getting hired by KPMG and not only focusing on what skills, what knowledge am I going to pick up and add to my tool belt or my toolkit, which we could talk about a lot through the show or our skills skill set, if you will, our skill stack, but also who are the people I'm going to meet and what are the friendships I'm going to develop and how will those serve me and them over the long term. What were some of the key moments in this journey that you've had that shaped your path to success after accounting? What was next and what do you do now? So the big one for me would have been learning, continuous development. So growth. So never saying I'm done or I'm finished. And what that looks like is what am I, what am I doing now? So I, like you, I have a podcast and, and now we also put up YouTube videos. So it's a, a YouTube show slash podcast. So I have to look at that. I write content on a daily basis for social media. So I post every day on Twitter. I've posted almost every day for two years now, I think. 
And we've grown that Twitter following to about 340,000 people over the, over that two year period. My wife no longer works. So she supports me in let's, let's call it a, a hobby business, if you will. And so she helps me with the podcast. She posts daily to Instagram and LinkedIn, mostly repurposing my content, Charlie. And I, so on the podcast, I release a weekly episode. What does the podcast look like? I have conversations with authors. So I read their book and then I have a conversation with them about their book. It's almost like a book club with the author. So it's very fun that way. And generally those books are on self-improvement, personal development, productivity, how to get more done, how to think. So improving, improving my mental prowess in the process while sharing with the audience how they can do the same. And then the, the last thing I do, or I guess there's a couple more things. The, I write a weekly newsletter, the growth guide. So the podcast is the growth guide and the newsletter is the growth guide. The newsletter has the same general concept as the podcast. I want to share knowledge with my audience. I've managed to, over the last 25 years, I've grown a successful career. I've managed to become reasonably wealthy through my investing on the side, real estate investing in and stocks. And then I also have managed to complete an Ironman ultra marathon. So some fun things on the side. So I like to share, well, how have I done this all? And then what do I do by day? That's all, that's all at night in my hobby time, Charlie. By day, I am a CFO of a real estate development company. I oversee tax, finance, accounting, capital raising, financial planning and analysis, and the um, information technology. So about 30 to 33 people on my team across five or six different areas. So it's, that's my day job. And then at night I take everything I learned there, plus what I'm learning through the books. And I share that in my writing and in my content creation across multiple platforms. How long have you been creating content? There are periods of time in my life where I'd start a blog, I'd take it not too seriously and I'd let it go after a year or so. So I've been doing that for about a decade, probably in my early thirties. And part of it is remember, Charlie, for I, I'm coming up on 45. So for me, a lot of this wasn't there, right? There, there wasn't podcasts when I was 17 like you. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't Instagram. The number one thing I would do as a young person today, because I know that question will come up for you, for you later, is I would be building my brand on social media as early as I can. The fact that you're 17 years old, and you have the comfort to reach out to me on LinkedIn or whatever platform you want to reach out to someone on and say, hey, I have a podcast for people my age to help them grow, to help them develop. You're building your brand already as someone who has hustle, who's willing to network, who's willing to put themselves out there. That will serve you in life at whatever you do. So I would encourage every young person to start building their brand in a respectful um, way and in a way that they can eventually leverage as early as possible. So my two boys are 15 and 12. Uh, their birthdays were both in the last month. So, so I've been talking to them about social media for the last two years, which is when I started to get very serious at the podcast, at social media. In the newsletter I only launched four months ago, we're at about 12,500 readers. We grow about two to 3,000 a month. So, so that will become a central part of the, of the, and we'll probably talk in the show about flywheels. That will become a central cog in the flywheel system that I'm building. And so when you're young, 
you want to learn some concepts. You want to learn about flywheels. You want to learn about exponential growth. You want to learn about compounding. You want to learn about consistency. These are four of the things that are going to serve you in your future at whatever you do. And the sooner you start, the more you can get the benefit of all of them. So that would be uh, one of the things I would really emphasize for young people. Get on social media as fast as you can. For me, none of that was there. So I started seriously. I launched my podcast April 2021, and I got serious on social media August 2021. Could you just dive into building your social network and building up your social media? Like some yeah, of the strategies you've found up found on the way? Yeah, so, so the big things are a few things. Number one, you have to have good content. Number two, you have to present it well. Number three, you have to distribute it well. So how do you have good content? For me, that comes down to a few things. You have to live an interesting life. So if you want to be interesting on Instagram, put away Instagram, go do interesting shit and write about it on Instagram. If you want to be interesting on Twitter, close Twitter, go lead a successful life and share it on Twitter. And so you have to do interesting things and successful things off platform and then you write about them on platform. And, and that's using your authority. So if I write about real estate, I can write about successful real estate investing because I'm a CFO of a real estate development company and I have a nine properties valued at around $10 million. So I can write about real estate. I have personal credibility at real estate. When you're young, Charlie, like you are, you can't use your personal credibility. You don't have it yet, but you can borrow credibility. So you're recording with me. We're talking about a number of things. You can then write a Twitter thread, which you can turn into a carousel on LinkedIn, which I think is where you and I first started talking. And you can say, I had a conversation with Clint Murphy. We talked about seven things that have allowed him to become a multimillionaire who has 400,000 followers on social media and does interesting shit. Here are the seven things. And then you write about them. You borrowed credibility from me. And you can borrow credibility from every one of your audience members. You borrow that credibility until people start to look at you as the source of credibility. And then you move from borrowed credibility to personal credibility. So I used to write about, you know, Jeff Be Bezos says this, Elon Musk says that. Now I write about, hey, here's how you can do this. So now I can rely on my own personal credibility, but I had to borrow credibility until I got to a certain size. So that's on the content that you're writing. How you package it. So take courses on copywriting, read other great writers, look at the top 10 to 20 accounts. You can go to a source like Readwise and you can check who the best tweet writers are and you can check who the best thread writers are. Doesn't necessarily mean best. That might be a little innocuous, but it'll tell you who whose content gets saved the most using their platform. So it's a reasonable barometer. And what I'll do is I'll look at the top 10 to 20. I think I'm at number 35 now. And so I'll look at the top 10 to 20. I'll read their content and I'll be like, why do people save this? Why does this resonate with people? What about it makes it good? How can I change my writing style to match this so that I can get saved more? so that I can get read more, so that I can go viral more. That's your presentation. And then number three is your networking. So you reached out to me. We started to have a conversation. This starts to build a friendship. 
then you're able to say, Hey, um, I'm putting together a group with a number of people. We're going to share each other's content on LinkedIn. Uh, what that looks like is, uh, we'll have a discord community when one of us drops or let's say discord, WhatsApp or telegram. Those are the top three that people use. When I drop my content, like it, comment on it. When I, when you drop your content, content. I'll like it. I'll comment on it. We'll get 10 of us. We'll all do that together. It's usually called a pod or, a, or, a, or a network or a cohort or a group, whatever you want to call it. And we'll all hit each other's stuff across different platforms. So you may have one, two, three, or four different groups on LinkedIn. You'll have one, two, three, or four different groups on Instagram, one, two, three, or four different groups on Twitter. Some of those people will cross all three platforms. Some will be one, some will be two. And you're looking for people that are your size, bit bigger, or or even people that are coming up behind. What I like about the people that are coming up behind Charlie is what you're focusing on is, oh, I see something in this person. And I see something in them before other people do. And so I will invest into them and I will help them grow and I will help them get to where I think they should get to. And that builds a bond because, hey, wait, this guy invested in me before anyone else saw anything in me. That's special. And, and generally that ought to. With some people, it doesn't matter. They get to a spot and, and they say, oh, well, you got me to where I need to be. And now you're dead to me. And okay, well, maybe they didn't belong in your life. But for the average person, they respect that you you built that relationship before they got somewhere. So those are those are the three things and how you grow them. And then each of them you can go super deep into, but at a high level, create good content, package it well, present it well, and then share it with a network that you build. So I have this burning question because yeah. you have so many followers on Twitter. What do you think about the Twitter threads kind of debate? going on what do you think that's going to mean for the future of social media threads is dead it's it's just not a good experience and so uh you know you may come back in five years and say oh that was a that was a that was a horrible call clint made and in fairness i'll keep writing on it i'm already losing interest the i find it empty i find it very light on substance and I'm big on substance. I write my newsletter. I record podcasts with thought leaders. And I think I share reasonably deep content on Twitter. And I engage with people who share deep content. Almost anything that gets thrown into my feed on threads is super light, super empty, and totally basic. I'm not learning. I'm not growing. I'm not developing. That's why I'm on this earth, to do those three things. Learn, grow, develop, and share it with others. And threads isn't showing me that. It's showing me the emptiness that somewhat is Instagram. And at least with images, the people that grow very large accounts with them are very good at what they do. And what I've seen so far is when you tell them to write long form content, they don't. They only write. So they're on threads. Here, here, here's the kicker. Let's take a step back. Threads is a play on Twitter, but it's a play on a concept on Twitter. You write threads and a thread is a series of tweets interlinked together that adds a lot of value. That's how you grow on Twitter. So threads, like we know Mark and Elon are, are battling. And so he creates a product called threads 
which is meant to be long form content, which Twitter was kind of almost going away from. They're penalizing it a little. So he's like, oh, well, we'll, 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 we'll let people write it. But all the Instagram people want to just tweet. They're not writing threads. They're just tweeting. Like, it's just, it, it, think about the absurdity of what he tried to do there. And the fact that they went to the empty portion of just writing platitude and question-like tweets instead of going to the value of where Twitter has its real value. And I hope Elon figures it out. The real value in, in Twitter is its threads, is the educational component to help people grow and become better. It's, it's, you know, people have the joke like Twitter's a free university, but it is. You can learn so much if you follow the right accounts and you read the right long form content. And I think he has to lean into that more to win. And I think Mark was trying to do that with threads, but it backfired because all it is is empty tweets. Sorry, that was a very long answer to that no, question. No, no. It's really occupying I, I, my mind. Right. <laughs> I'd love to just keep picking your brain about Twitter a little bit yeah, more because of your success in it. So how did you kind of start with Twitter and how would you say that someone can go about growing on Twitter without this credibility that you're talking about? Yeah, so it's actually kind of funny. So you know because you and I are recording a podcast right now. Podcasts, podcasts are super hard to grow. They're almost impossible to grow. So you need to grow somewhere. And I'll take a step back. Someone asked me two weeks ago, uh, a great uh, guest, Brad Stolberg, asked me, hey, is this your passion? And I said, yeah, of course. Like, this is what I love doing. And he's like, because I know you got Twitter, you got this, you got that. And I said, well, like, you have a podcast, Brad, and you know you can't grow them. So all of the things I do are to grow the podcast because it's what I love to do. So when you say, hey, do you want to come on and have a conversation? Yeah, because I love jumping on and having conversations. I'm usually in your seat. I'm asking the questions. And so it's it's fun to flip to the other side of, side of the table. But you can't grow them. So I talked earlier about compounding. I talked about consistency. And I talked about flywheels. So Twitter is my flywheel. And it's what leads to the compounding of the podcast. And I'll explain And what that. do you mean by flywheel? So a flywheel is if you imagine... In in mechanical terms, they're like these giant metal wheels, almost picture like a gear, but they're so big and it takes all your effort to turn it and to get it moving. Picture like a like a a, a merry-go-round. And you know when you go to do that first go of the merry-go-round, like you're just like you're bent over, you're pushing with all your might, you got eight kids, you're like, hey, maybe three of you get off so I can get this moving. And then you get it moving the first rotation. The second rotation gets a little easier. You can almost stand up. If there was three of you pushing, one of the people can stop pushing. Three kids can jump on again. And now it's going easier. And it gets to the point where you're just turning, like you're just turning it with one hand as it swings around. You're, and then you're like, I got to get out of the way because this thing's spinning so fast, it's going to like rip my arm off. That's a flywheel. Every rotation gets easier and easier. It goes faster and faster and it grows. It accelerates. It's kind of like the, the compound effect that you're talking about, right? The compound effect, but it's one thing that's compounding another and that's compounding another. And so Jim Collins talked about this in his book, Good to Great. And he writes a series of books, Good to Great, Built to Last Great by Choice. 
all three of them have great concepts that will change your life. So he, he is one of my favorite authors. It, it would be a dream to have him on the, on the podcast. And, and I should send him a note saying that the, so you take, take a step back and what's the flywheel that I'm talking about here. The flywheel is if I'm on Twitter and I'm growing now, if you're a best-selling author and I reach out to you, Charlie, and I say, Hey, I'm going to promote my ep- uh, this episode to my mom, uh, my dad, and my four friends. And you're a best-selling author, New York Times bestseller. What are you going to say to me? Hell no. Right? Hell no, right? Waste of my time. But if I reach out to you and I say, uh, hey, uh, Charlie, I am going to promote this episode to 500,000 people on Twitter and uh, 20,000 people on my newsletter. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to also go out to 100,000 people on YouTube. What are you going to say? Yes, please. Yes, please. Right. Let's do this. And, and so that's the flywheel. Everything I do outside of the podcast is to grow the podcast and it's to give me access to guests and the better the guests, because now you're a best-selling author. I have a conversation with you. I put it on YouTube. I write about it on Twitter and people are like, shit, like you talk to James clear. I want to read that thread. I want to read your newsletter to hear like your takeaways. I want to listen to the episode and I want to watch the YouTube video. Okay. Boom. Now also when I reach out to that next, next guest, I'm able to say, Hey, here's the 10 last New York times, bestselling authors that joined me on the show. And they're like, Oh, well you talk to that guy, that guy, that gal, that gal, that guy. Oh yeah. Well, I want to join you. Cause like, I know those guys, those are, those are my friend authors. Cause we all meet at big wig author conference and chat with each other. And I'll be six of them are like, Hey, one of the best conversations I've had this year was with Clint Murphy on the growth guide. Like it was an amazing conversation. He clearly read my book, clearly did his work and you should talk to him. So all of that is the flywheel. It's access to authors, the access to the, to, you don't want to say, I I never want to say like a better guest. Like it's just different. It's, it's more well-known. And so the more well-known person you write about them, people are like, oh, you talk to that person. So clearly you're good at what you're doing. I'm going to come on your show. And it just keeps spinning. And your ease of reaching out to people becomes easier and easier. That's the flywheel there. And so it's like, I, I would just be in my notebook and I'd be like, okay, I want to get the podcast to 10,000 downloads a month. So I need to get these types of guests. To get those types of guests, I think I need to be at 50,000 followers on Twitter. So what do I need to be doing to get to 50,000? What do I need to do to get to 100? When I get to 100, what's that going to do to the podcast? And I would just write in my notebook, like, how do I do it? How do I do it? What? How do these two correlate? Like, how big does Twitter have to be before I get this guest? How big does the news? And then I would just start growing them, Charlie. I'd be like, okay, that's the that's that's flywheel one. Twitter to podcast, flywheel one. What's the next flywheel? And how do I build a flywheel to grow Twitter? What are the what are the pieces? What pods do I have to be in? What friendships do I have to build? What content do I have to consume so that I can write good threads? That and then that becomes my content flywheel. And I build a good Twitter flywheel to grow Twitter. And the Twitter flywheel grows the podcast flywheel which ties to the YouTube flywheel. Ooh, now YouTube flywheel's going, okay, let's send all these people to the newsletter. The newsletter's growing. That's another flywheel. And then you just start tying 
all the flywheels together. So now you're not a one-dimensional flywheel. You're a 4D machine. And you're just, you get everything spinning, Charlie. So if I, if you were to just start at zero followers on Twitter, yeah. how would you go about growing that first thousand, 10,000, 50,000? Okay. And, and let's make it really applicable for the audience. So yes, yes uh, is this someone your age? Is this someone older? Sure. Okay. Someone my age that lacks the credibility of someone like you. So what you can do is, here's the fun part. What I always try to say to people who don't have, because when you're talking about that level of credibility, you may say, hey, Clint, when it comes to real estate or when it comes to building wealth, you're kind of on, if you if you imagine a ladder and each step of the ladder is a letter of the alphabet, you're kind of saying to me, hey, Clint, you're already on step T. So it's really easy for you to write content. It's really easy for you to not only borrow credibility, but lean on your personal credibility. And I might only be on step C. Charlie, that means there's people on steps A and steps B. Those are the people that you're writing to. There's always people behind you. And so the number one way for a young person to build is to find something that you could write about forever and a skill set you want to develop. So a, a good guy who might be your age, he might be a year older now, check out Jay Yang on Twitter, Instagram. He may also be on uh, LinkedIn. I think it might be Jay Yang in, Inspires. And so Jay was 17 when we first started sharing uh, content with each other on Instagram and first started talking. And here's what Jay would do. He'd, be, he, he'd write about the fact that he was trying to learn how to be a copywriter. And simply by picking something he wanted to be really good at and writing about what he was learning, he was teaching people who weren't doing the work he was doing because he was, I'm going to watch these YouTube videos. I'm reading these books. I'm following these people on social. I'm taking these courses. Here's what I'm learning. So for me, the number one thing you want to do as a young person is you want to pick four or five things that are going to lead to what I call rare skills. And what I mean by that, Charlie, is Take yourself in as, a, as an example. You're going into grade 11. Do you know what you want to do in college yet? Do you want to go to college? I do, yes. Okay, and what do you want to do? I think I know what I want. I think I want to major in business. Okay, so you're going to major in business. And so I majored in business. There you go. I, I ended up doing accounting. And so what I encourage a lot of young people to do is pick a quantitative field. Because a lot of people out there don't like to do quantitative things. So generally in business, that would be accounting or finance. Very quant heavy, right? And they lead to a lot of options because already they're pretty narrow. There's not a lot of people who go into the math stuff. Oh, math, so hard. It's not that hard. It's like two plus two equals four. It's not even math. The So simple, right? So, but you're, you're quant heavy, already rare. Now what you're going to do, Charlie, is you're going to add to that things that are rare. So it's very hard to become the top 1% or 0.01% in any field. It's reasonably easy to become the top 10%. Certain level of baseline intelligence, hard work, consistency, and time. That's all it takes. So, but, but let's imagine this. You go to a good university. You get a finance degree. You get a good job. Let's say you, let's say you end up on Wall Street. Entry-level role. 
you're working your way up the ladder. Already, you're working your way towards the top 10% in that area. But how do you get to the 0.01? You go from having an in-demand skill and a decent 10% skill in finance to someone who has rare skills. What does that look like? You combine the finance degree and the Wall Street experience with public speaking, with copywriting, with newsletter writing. So so you take things that not a lot of people do and you combine them and you become a top 10 social media account. You become a top 10% copywriter. You become a top 10% public speaker. You become a top 10% podcaster. When you're top 10% in five, six, or seven things, together, you are unbelievably rare. Because how many people who have that finance skill you have can share it on social media, can talk about it on a podcast, can get up in front of an audience of 10,000 people and talk about it on stage? That's what you're doing. You're becoming rare by combining all of those things into Charlie. So where do I start? I start small. Everything you do, you start small. You're that, you're that young person. You pick which of those areas you want to get good at. And it, it doesn't have to always be the one, but you start with the one and you write about how you're becoming good at it. And as you write about how you be- you're becoming good at it, you're teaching people behind you. And you're developing the skill yourself. You follow big accounts in your space. So you're learning from them and you synthesize what they're sharing down to the raw one or two takeaways that the people behind you can learn from. And you grow your knowledge and you build relationships with those people. That's how I would start. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your advice and your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate this.